Welcome to the Aon International Retirement Podcast. Today we're talking to Jim Tyndale, who is Global Strategy Retirement Consultant. We'll be discussing the comprehensive report of Global Benefits Governance, which was carried out with the American Benefits Council. We'll be looking at if global governance is growing, what findings were in the report, and how businesses should implement and carry out these strategies. We'll be looking at where companies should start and recommendations on getting clarity on the strategy and structure before starting. And now, time for the interview. Welcome back to the Aon Pensions podcast. Uh, Today I'm joined by Jim Tyndale, Global Strategy Retirement Consultant, and we're talking about global governance and benefits plans. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Stuart. You've just published a comprehensive report on the third study of global benefits governance that you've carried out with the American Benefits Council. Yes, uh, it, it, it's been great working with the American Benefits Council. Um, the, the, their team and their, their group of members provided great insight into questions that we, a detailed questionnaire that we put out to a, a lot of multinational companies around the world. And, and also great responses from the members of the American Benefits Council providing that, that research. And, and, it, and it's a topic that's a real passion for the American Benefits Council and, and, and for us at Aon. So you do this every three years? It, it is. Um, it, it's, it's every three years, um, but we, we naturally get some differences in terms of what we're finding out as we do that. We started in 2012, 2015, 2018, uh, and, and we see a lot of common uh, themes coming out in that research, but we've also evolved our questions over time and, and digging a little deeper um, as we go along. So what's, what's new in global governance? Is it growing? Yeah, it, it certainly is growing. Um, and, and each time we've asked some core questions around the degree to which uh, companies are putting in place global governance and, and where they want to evolve that over time. And, and we've seen 2012, there was 14% of companies indicating that they were operating best practice global governance, 20% three years later. And in this latest study, that, that's climbed up to 31% who describe themselves as effective in their global governance. So that's, that's good progress, but would you have expected faster progress perhaps? Yes, um, yes and no. Um, we, we, we ask, I say every three years, we also ask around what companies expect um, for their future development of global governance. And, and interestingly, every time the majority say that in three years' time, they expect to, to have pretty strong global governance in place, but that doesn't quite materialize. But it, but it doesn't really surprise us um, because when we talk to companies, um, we, we know the challenges that they have in terms of putting in place what they actually want to achieve. I guess that's true of many things, not just global benefits governance. Um, do you know why the progress is slower than the aims? Uh, we've always had suspicions from what we see around companies that we work with, um, but we, we did um, evolve our questions in that direction this time. So we, we specifically asked around the barriers that companies are finding and also asked around the enablers, what's helped those who've made the good progress um, to, to be um, at a best practice level. So what are the key findings for the, uh, for the listeners of the podcast? There's a number of things, as, as you can imagine. Um, some relate to the, the general corporate structure uh, of companies and, and some more specific to, to the management of their benefit plans. 
Corporate centralization, that's certainly the key enabler of global governance. And, and where companies aren't centralized, it, it, it's a material barrier to, make, to making progress. But there's also other things that evolve from that. We found that buy-in from senior leadership is, is critical, but also very important, the, the interrelationships within the business, the collaboration between different functions, so finance functions, HR functions, and also the degree of collaboration between local management, local leaders, and, and those global functions. Uh, but, but we also then found outside the businesses, uh, external collaboration, knowing where to start, and, and, and actually confidence that they can achieve value from best practice were, were, were all key, um, key elements for those who've made progress and barriers for those who haven't. So you mentioned best, best practice there. I mean, in this context, what, what do you mean by best practice? Yeah, and and, th- and this has been one of the core questions through, throughout the years. So it, from the start in 2012, we, we sat down with a group of members of the American Benefits Council and, and some of our own clients to, to define what, what is best practice of, of global governance. And, and we've checked that in, in the subsequent uh, studies. And the, this, the five core elements to it, the first, clarity of strategy. Um, so the, the policies, the guidelines, making sure that they're communicated clearly globally. Clarity of structure, um, the roles, the responsibilities, um, again, making sure that they're clear and communicated to, to those involved in the decision making. Third, ready access to data. Um, and that's the, the knowledge about plan designs, but also the financing of the plans, the operations of the benefits plans around the world. But extending on that, the fourth one, not just data, but insights into the risks and opportunities that exist that, that can support the decisions that are going to be made and help prioritize those actions. And, and the fifth um, which which often gets forgotten to some degree by by companies is putting that into an ongoing process, ongoing monitoring, uh, so that they can continue to enable those timely decisions uh, and and make sure things don't drift out of date as as time evolves. So, does a company to be considered a best practice company need to be strong in each of these five areas? Best practice is, is defined as, as being effective in all those five. That, that's not necessarily the same as being strong in all five. In fact, we've, we found that nearly all of the participants, around 90%, indicated that they still want to improve their governance. So that even includes the 31% who are, who are already best practice. They still see areas where they can strengthen that. We also found that many of the companies are not that far away from best practice. So whilst only 31% had attained it, the vast majority of the others have achieved three or four uh, out of the five elements. That's stronger in those first two elements I mentioned, the strategy and the structure. Uh, about 70% of companies were indicating that they are effective in strategy and structure. Still want to improve, but they are effective. And, and about 50% indicated um, strength around the more data-related elements, the access to data, the insights, and that ongoing monitoring. It's, it's good that there's a level of understanding of where they're at as well, you know, in terms of their weaknesses uh, as well as where they're strong. 
it's a, an interesting part of the overall study, and we've, we found it throughout that, that companies in general have been pretty honest. You, you can never be certain in terms of uh, some some companies may indicate that they're doing a good job, but there's there's no incentive for them to to over egg the situation in in a study. They they want to truly uh, determine how they stack up against what everybody else is doing against the benchmark and yeah. yeah. So going back to those barriers you mentioned, uh, you said many companies are sure of the value of global governance and therefore budget approval. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so certainly that that is a, a barrier for, for a significant number of the participants. So I, I guess people buy into the theory that global governance um, is is sensible but then many when they start to apply it they they can't necessarily demonstrate or they don't yet know how to demonstrate the value um that is that has been delivered um but but what we did find with the best practice companies is that they they said that they're confident in achieving their corporate aims they said that they've taken far more actions um, than the other companies that haven't yet achieved best practice. And and that's not because of a difference in terms of actions that companies are wanting to take. Uh, those that haven't reached best practice indicated many actions that they still want to take but haven't got round to. But also, um, for the first time in this time study, we, we asked about the financial gains. And we're starting to see that companies that have put in place global governance and good go- global governance are now able to quantify some of those financial gains. It's still early stages, but we found 15% are saving more than a million dollars a year, which is which is quite significant. I think you've probably picked up a few ears on the podcast with, with those figures. So, Jim, what sort of actions have led to those savings? It, it, it's a wide range. Um, the, the main savings uh, come on the, the financing side. Um, so in terms of insured benefits, uh, savings through, through through global insurance, through pooling, global underwriting, use of captives, that, that would typically save around maybe 10% of premiums uh, compared to doing it in individual, comp- uh, individual countries. But also then um, for DB plans, um, there's there's design saving elements as well as the financing. There's still savings being made in terms of moving from defined benefit to to defined contribution, uh, de-risking of asset portfolios, but also um, settlements of of settlements of liabilities with insurers and transferring liabilities onto members. DC funds, probably less so in terms of the direct financial savings. Uh, DC gains have been more around ensuring the members are making effective choices and that the plans are compliant. But also there are elements of reducing provider costs and and, and, and even ensuring compliance reduces risks of fines, uh, etc. So you just, you just mentioned DB to DC. I mean, that, you would have thought that has already largely happened. Yes, in, indeed, it, it largely has. But we, with working with companies on their global governance, we've been able to identify countries where originally they thought that they couldn't do anything with their defined benefit plan. Um, but as time has changed, the, there's more opportunities available. It could be changes in legislation, new products, 
different employees or or even in some cases different local management uh, and and an easier way of um, making a change that there was previously barriers to. We've also seen companies making savings by by actually agreeing to to keep DB. Um, So we've seen that through negotiations uh, that agreeing to keep a DB plan can lead to other savings in terms of their, their employee costs. So in some cases, savings have come elsewhere in the business, but directly from a benefits-related action. Yes, uh, and, the, and there's many other examples beyond beyond that one. As mentioned, de- de-risking, um, transferring liabilities is a strong theme for, for DB plans. Uh, so whether that's through settlement with insurers or, or changes to asset strategy. These will primarily reduce the risks, but we've also seen this um, lead to companies saving millions, um, particularly through saving their debt ratings. So risk reductions can often have a quantifiable immediate impact, as well as creating that stability of cost in the longer term. I'd also just like to to add um, an area I mentioned earlier in terms of transfers to members. That that's another area where DB plans, um, cost, where cost savings can be made for DB plans. It's a big opportunity for sort of win win options um, for both members and companies in terms of offering offering the members a different form of benefit, whether it's a lump sum or a different type of annuity. You mentioned that companies with best practice global governance are more confident in achieving their corporate aims. What are those aims? Naturally, that that varies from company to company, but there's there's certainly some common themes that have come out from from the study. The first aim, interestingly, is alignment with their aims. Um, But um, going beyond that, uh, business integration is is a key theme, particularly for for the more acquisitive uh, companies. But reducing risks is certainly the main uh, the main common area, and that's a, a wide range of it risks. That's not just the the financial risks, but in increasingly reputational risks, compliance risks, and very topical these days, cyber risks. So I, I guess many uh, companies will be unsure where to start this process. I mean, what, what advice can you give them? The study or the findings in the study, they were very similar to what we, we regularly see when we're, we're talking to companies that we work with. Many start by collecting data, and, and we, we definitely encourage that in many cases. But what we find and, and what the study confirms to us is that those that have started with data often then struggle to move on to best practice. Is that a case of not knowing what to do with the data, Jim? Partly. Um, we, we believe it's critical to know why before getting into the, the how of collecting data. Far more, far more best practice companies have started by getting clarity on, on what they want to achieve, their, their strategy and also the structure of how they're going to implement things and then looking for the data. In, in general, without that clarity of purpose, companies find that they collect the data that doesn't give them the answers that they need to then, then make the progress. And, and, and also, they've not necessarily then got the structure to do anything with the data. So you recommend getting that clarity on strategy and structure before even starting collecting the data? Yes, um, but there does need to be some balance in that. And and I think generally it would be more of an iterative process. So I guess of getting some clarity and then some data, and then use that data to refine the policies perhaps before moving on to broader or, or deeper data. There's also a lot of value when collecting data to 
focus on on a subset of com- countries rather than try to do all the world at once or or, or even a, a subset of topics uh, and sometimes this is also a necessity coming back to that budget um, approval element is finding some countries finding some some aims some some um, subset to work on uh, find the the gains that can be made put those plans into into action get the savings and then that creates the budget and the the, comf- the confidence to go further and, and what sorts of decisions do companies typically put uh, in place global strategies uh, again that 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 naturally varies uh, between companies but but again there's there's a lot of commonality in in what we're seeing in the study most uh, most of the strategies actually tend to relate to the benefit design area um, policies covering competitiveness and adequacy uh, consistency and fairness and an increasingly choice and responsibility for for employees but there's also strong focus on on financing policies for, for DB retirement plans, uh, funding targets, investment strategies, and, and policies around settlement with, with insurers. For health and insured benefits, um, policies there would tend to be around um, adopting or not multinational pooling, global underwriting. In the operational area, policies are less common, um, except perhaps around the, the choice of providers. And who would typically be involved in developing these policies? Uh, we tend to find it works best when it's a combination of the finance team and, and the HR team. As, as mentioned earlier, internal collaboration is, is critical in terms of getting that success with global governance. Finance teams will naturally mostly focus on the financing policies and HR teams would tend to pick up the design and operational elements. But there's certainly benefits of all of them being linked together throughout rather than just focusing on their own natural areas. So once you've got the right people in place and the policies are in place, it's then time to start gathering the data and making some decisions. Yes, as, as I mentioned, you don't necessarily need perfection around those policies, but you certainly need the, the clarity um, on, on, the, on your prioritized items. You can then work out what's the right information that you want to collect so that you can check that alignment and identify and prioritize your, your opportunities. Most companies with good global governance, they would use a, a global benefits management system to collect and, and maintain this data. Our, our own system, Greater Insight, that will cover plan provisions, financial reporting, uh, projections, uh, financial analytics and projections, claim costs, operational compliance, etc. And you mentioned maintenance of data there. I imagine that's not easy. That's certainly true. It, and it's an area where, where, where most companies would fall down, those that are struggling to, to get to best practice. As I mentioned earlier, data is the area where um, more companies are behind the curve. I've, I've also met many people who told me that they collected some data a few years ago, but they, they don't know the current state because they haven't kept that data up to, up to date. They haven't put in place that ongoing monitoring process that I mentioned earlier as the sort of fifth key element of, of best practice. So what information does the study indicate that companies would usually collect and monitor regularly? The financing elements are, are certainly the most commonly con- collected, um, for, particularly for DB plans where they've got the annual statutory disclosures. But many then miss the opportunities to draw greater insights from that information to, to help 
drive their, their decision making. That could be risk projections, insights into new opportunities or changes to define benefit settlement pricing. Design-related aspects on plan provision, benchmarking, statutory requirements, they're, they're similarly common. And, and they, these design-related aspects would probably be less frequent. They'd probably be more every three years rather than the annual focus that you'd have around the financing. Uh, you didn't mention the compliance aspects, but you mentioned that earlier as one of the key drivers for governance. You're right, I, I did. And, and it, it is a key driver for governance for many. Um, but interestingly, information isn't collected by as, as many as collect the design and financing information. It, it's, it's now up to around 50% of, of the respondents who are collecting this compliant confirmations. But it, as, you, as you indicate, it's a bit, bit of a mismatch um, to, that, to that desire. Now, I should also add that regulatory change is, is the most frequently monitored topic. Uh, 30% of companies review this on a, on a quarterly basis. So Jim, what does the study tell us about areas of focus for the future? As mentioned at the start, there's still a very strong desire uh, among nearly all companies to, to improve their global governance. Uh, only 15% of companies expect to be missing more than one of the five elements of best practice in three years' time. Those who've already had good success with global governance, they're, they're also evolving their focus. What's next? What are the new priorities? And they tend to be around employee understanding uh, and the evolving needs of, of different types of employees in the workforce and, and also financial and, and health well-being. So across all participating companies, the, the main areas of focus for the future um, Employees understanding and valuing the benefits that they're being provided with. Uh, there's also helping employees achieve that their desired retirement outcomes. Within this, it's also recognizing that the types of employees are changing, therefore the needs are changing. So that evolving workforce, the, the word millennials um, was coming in there, as well as the fact that people are uh, retiring later, wanting to mix retirement and, and work later in life. Fairness of provision, um, fairness across different types of employees, but increasingly geography uh, and more companies now looking towards minimum levels of benefits around the world, which partly comes back to the reputational points I mentioned earlier. There's also um, managing increasing health and well-being costs. Uh, that, that's a, a growing issue around the world. Um, but also, I should, finally, I should mention identifying the best opportunities. As I mentioned earlier, companies collecting data, but are they identifying enough of the right sort of insights so that they can take the opportunities to reduce costs and reduce risks? So to close, what are the key recommendations for our listeners? I think, as, as mentioned earlier, I think the, the key thing is, first of all, to, to work out what's important for them. Uh, what, what do they want to achieve consistently, globally, uh, that, that strategic element? And, and also, as mentioned, in terms of who in the business is best to in, be involved in that process, uh, who to involve in determining the strategy, uh, but also then going on to monitoring that, that alignment and making the key decisions. Once there's clarity on that, then I think it's then moving on to uh, focus on what information is needed um, so that you can identify and prioritize actions. And then what, what systems, what support, uh, what monitoring cadence 
uh, will will help enable all of that. Well, we'll put the uh, links up to the findings so people can go and download them. But thank you, Jim, and thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Stuart, and thank you to all of those who joined and listened to this podcast. Uh, I hope I've managed to help some of you to, to get some insights into how you can improve and, and feel free to, to get in touch if you've got further questions or, or want some help. Uh, thank you very much.